Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today we've got another awesome guest joining me. I recently chatted with Justin Topliff, Senior Product Marketing Manager at Highspot, and the man in charge of the competitive program at the company. We talked about how he scaled the program to serve an end user base that's tripled in size, all while remaining a team of one, what he's done to elevate the program from what Justin calls whack-a-mole tasks to actually leading proactive strategic initiatives at Highspot, and the importance of storytelling in your competitive narrative. With all that said, let's get into today's episode. All right, today I am joined by Senior Product Marketing Manager at Highspot, Justin Topliff. Justin, how are you? I'm great, Adam, and excited to be here. How about you? I'm doing well. It's it's gray in Vancouver, but I'm excited that you're joining us and getting to talk about competitive enablement. So Justin's been in charge of the competitive program over at High Spot, and in case you've been living under a rock, they've been going over some serious growth. Uh, last time we talked, it was just days after you announced your Series E funding for like, was it 200 million? Uh, that sounds right. Yep. It seems like so long ago. <laughs> a lot of millions, a lot of millions. So with that being said, I've brought Justin on to talk about what actually goes into building a competitive program that can scale alongside a company that's going through that kind of growth. He's also a is sommelier in training. Also, did I pronounce sommelier right there? Yeah, close enough. I dabble. Close. And so I might selfishly throw in a wine question if we can get to it. And it was definitely a much simpler time. If, if you look at the market for sales enablement back then, if you pull up the G2 grid, there were only about 15 or so of us on that grid. And now there's well over 100 folks in our space. So um, things definitely heated up. But um, yeah, when I joined, Compete was supposed to be a portion of my job. Uh, originally, we only had one third of my time slated to compete. <laughs> and like we'll talk about uh, in a minute here, uh, that has definitely changed. So yeah, you mentioned that the market has increased exponentially. How, how many employees does Highspot have now? And how has, due to this market growing and becoming more competitive, your own company growing, how has that changed how this competitive program had to operate and function? Yeah, so over the past two years at Highspot, we've seen explosive growth. And I think we're somewhere right now between six or 700 employees, I wanna say. Um, if, if not, we will be somewhere between 700 and 1,000 employees uh, by the end of this year. So um, we've seen explosive growth on the employee front. We've seen explosive growth in the competitive landscape. And over the past two years, our competitive environment really heated up. If you look, you know, two years ago, sales enablement wasn't really a thing. Uh, it, was, it was a very nascent category as evidenced by the number of players in the space, but also analysts were just starting to kind of talk about it. And once analysts named it an official category and also said it was a must have, you know, as revenue teams were trying to uh, triangulate and and compete uh, to to win revenues. A lot of money flew into the space. Um, so you know, if you look at us and our other competitors, uh, all of us raised hundreds of millions, if if not close to or over a billion dollars over the past twelve months. And whenever 
you see that much money fly into a category, you start seeing a lot more competitors, you know, following that, that money trail um, and saying, you know, gee, I, I might do a piece of, you know, sales enablement, but I, I want a slice of this now very lucrative pie because even a small slice is, is worth quite a bit of money. So uh, explosive on all fronts are, as a function of that, our competitive dynamics really heated up. And, you know, every day, especially for those of us who have been operating the space for a while, we were continuing to build on our product and innovating for the, the next wave of, of needs that people have around sales enablement. So it's, it's a, a much more difficult game than the nice, easy, you know, 15 players on the grid that I had and was competing against two years ago. So when you mention, obviously, it's way more difficult. You've got so many competitors, some that are indirect. You probably still have the ones that you know well from, from early days. But with the program itself, how do you go about tackling this or prioritizing what you should do in such a competitive market and like such a broad market now? Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting in talking with a lot of our customers as well. So, you know, Highspot is a sales enablement solution. Competitive enablement is, is very close to sales enablement. It's, it's an inherent part of enabling your sellers. And we at Highspot authored our own maturity uh, model for sales enablement, you know, and I tend to think about competitive intelligence programs as, as the same. Um, they, they are snapped to a maturity model. And I can speak to, you know, when I showed up at Highspot, our CI program was definitely in, in those early stages of that maturity model. Uh, I was trying to plug holes in, in buckets and update battle cards that hadn't been touched in six or eight months and, you know, solve for ad hoc seller requests or asks for help as we're competing in deals and still learning more about the, the market and our customers' needs and competitors and what they're saying in these deals. Um, and, you know, now we're in the later stages of that maturity model. And I think a, a lot definitely changes. You go from this ad hoc reactive uh, phase to a more managed phase. And ultimately, I think the place that everybody wants to get to is this, this data-driven and optimized stage. The ad hoc phase, you're kind of just pulled in a lot of directions. And I think it's hard to zoom out and start to look at the competitive program from a strategic lens because you're constantly in this execution mode and you're dealing with very one-off requests. And it's, again, when we're talking at somewhere like Highspot, that's a company that's grown at such a rate, you need something that is scalable. That Because at some point, as, as a team of one like you are, you, you can't just attend all of these kind of ad hoc requests on the fly. Totally. Yeah. Could, couldn't agree more. <laughs> so yeah, during the webinar you ran with us earlier in the year, we talked about this shifting your perspective on building a competitive enablement program from those table stakes initiatives, like saving time for yourself, shifting towards these higher value activities that how can you as someone in charge of a competitive program actually impact uh the bottom line to the business and how do you how do you identify what those are when you're at high spot and what what yeah what do they look like yeah definitely i i think this is where the the maturity model definitely comes back into play and i think the tough thing for 
CI professionals or product marketers or whoever are, is owning the CI function at your company is that there's no shortage of surface area, right? Anything and everything is compete. And it's really easy to fall into this whack-a-mole trap, you know, where you're focusing, you fall back into, you regress into those ad hoc habits that you have been operating in for so long in the earlier stages of that maturity model to the detriment of being a more strategic player and, and leader with your CI program. And it's important that once you've satisfied the lower levels in, in your hierarchy of needs, whether that is getting your battle cards in order or establishing some baseline rhythm with your field teams to make sure that a dialogue, a bi-directional dialogue is in place with them. Um, and, and you've installed those mechanisms that help you keep a pulse on actually what's happening in deals in the broader market, things can get really interesting so long as you're thinking about them. And if you think about it, you're sitting on mountains of data, right? So if you're a good CI professional, you're definitely tracking your, your competitive win rates and all up win rates. Um, and that's a great place to start. And as you shift your mindset into, okay, I want to run the business. So you can look at things like your all up competitive win rate. You can look at that competitive win rate over the trailing 12 months. You can start looking at win rates by competitor, by industry, by market segment, even drilling down into win rates by certain sales teams. Um, I don't know how your team is, is split up, but even you know being able to help certain sales teams, whether they are tied to different market segments or industries or um, just overall is a, a great thing for you to be able to do. And you won't be able to realize any of that opportunity if you're not looking at these things. And win rates and all that stuff are great, but they're also lagging indicators. And I think another important shift for CI professionals is to also pay attention to leading indicators. So can you install mechanisms or at least be having dialogues with your sales team to get an idea for what competitor presence looks like? So that you see warning bells, you know, of new competitors who may be entering the space before it becomes a big problem and you start losing deals or uh, you're having a much harder time competing against some of these new entrants. You can look at that competitor presence all up and also, again, by market segment industry, a whole bunch of different slices. You can also look at discounting trends as somewhat of a leading indicator. Um, I think for any category that has explosive growth, like sales enablement has, and as certain players in those categories mature, their products start to look very similar to buyers. So that also increases the responsibility on you to be able to effectively differentiate your product and coach your sellers on how to be able to do that in deals and as they're selling out in the market. But when things start marching towards this commoditized, you know, feel, it's really common for price wars to become standard. And, you know, a race to the bottom on price, no, nobody wins in the long term, but it's something that we still have to combat as CI professionals and help our sales teams with that. So paying attention to discounting trends um, is another important leading indicator. And I think another area where it's, as you think about maturing your, your program is also just, and this is a little softer, it's not necessarily tied to any like hard data points like win rates or presence or anything like that, but we're all in this for the long run and it's really about staying ahead of the innovation curve in relation to your competitors and also being able to outmaneuver them. 
And there's a lot of intelligence that you'll be gathering and things that you should be thinking about, you know, not just limited to your sales team, right? What competitive intelligence or findings can I relay to my product team to make sure they understand where products are going in the market or what customers are saying or upset about that we don't yet have that they said another competitor does have. Being able to relay that information to other teams besides your sales force is also really important and something that I encourage CI professionals to think about as they mature their CI program. I mean, even the exec team as well, especially when you're talking about a market like sales enablement, enablement, it's highly contested. There's going to be new competitors arising all the time. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of mergers and acquisitions. Like being able to present that landscape to your execs is not only is that valuable for them, but it's also kind of giving you visibility with, with that team as well. Totally. And, you know, I think all of us, you know, CI professionals, we didn't get into CI or I didn't get into product marketing to take orders. You know, I slung tables in college and, and drinks at a bar and it was fun and all, but, you know, I, I got into product marketing and CI to, to, to own the business. Like and having an ownership mentality is really important for, you know, all of us. And I think your executive team absolutely is one of your core audiences that you do need to have a regular dialogue with because things shift and they're busy, you know, running their own departments and trying to hit their numbers. And it's important to have a CI person, you know, keeping a pulse on everything that's happening. Um, even though that, you know, they're probably doing that themselves and they have their own points of view, but being able to be that person who flags those blind spots or is that crystal ball that can say, I think, you know, this may happen or this competitor may purchase somebody and here's how that is going to change our dynamic in the short term and the long term is, is important. And if I'm hearing you right, when you're talking about this kind of maturity, like how you get from where you, where you started to where you are, it feels like there's almost these tactical one-off things that are valuable that you need to do in terms of building battle card content for sales, having just having a good pulse on like your main com competitors and what sales should be saying. But then there's also, once you can kind of get on top of that, there's this strategic element to competitive. Is that what you're kind of getting at? That if you can nail those things down, that you can cut, then you can start to build a program that has more authority and weight amongst the company because you can see the forest from the trees and you're not bogged down in whack-a-mole, as you say. Absolutely. No, that, that should definitely be everybody's hope, you know, as, as you're either starting your CI program from scratch, which is essentially what I had to do at high spot. Um, you know, we, none of us want to be those order takers forever, but it's important to, to begin with the end in mind. And you don't necessarily have to have a point of view or know what your program should look like, but I think it's, it's important to realize, okay, here's some things that I should be thinking about, or here's, here's what I want it to turn into and keep that end in mind. So a lot of product marketers like yourself, you mentioned when you came on board, you said that competitive was originally one third of your role or was supposed to be one third of your role. And a lot of product marketers, yeah, have a lot of other things going other than just competitive. And it, I think because of that as well, it quickly causes them to look at those table stakes initiatives, like time savings. How, how can this, how can I lessen the load on myself and just satisfy the requests that are just coming inbound to me so frequently? How difficult is it to change that mindset as someone that was probably went through that high spot during this growth? Like, how do you change that mindset to like 
how can I make my job easier to how can I impact the business? Yeah, I don't know if it's difficult to necessarily change the mindset. It's just difficult to get through everything in, in those earlier stages. Um, and this is why, you know, I said it's it's important to start with and keep that end in mind. And, you know, I was a competitive swimmer and I swam on a team. We actually had a team psychologist who introduced me to visualization. And for, for those who don't know, that's the process of athletes creating this mental image or of intention of what you want to happen in your game. Um, and it helps you intend that outcome by intending that outcome. It, it also lets you rest in this more kind of relaxed feeling of calm and well-being, which I also think is important as you're picking up a CI program and, you know, just hammering away, doing all of these battle cards and, you know, hitting your life for a little bit. Um, but being able to think about what success looks like for you, for your program, for your company, I think is a lot of people forget what a success look like for the company and don't realize or make that connection between my CI program can and will actually impact company performance. Right. So that, that is the end that all of us should be keeping in mind and, and start with, because again, I don't know about you, but I don't want my job to be just updating battle cards day in and day out. The other thing that I'll say is that it's important to realize that it's going to be a hike or, or dare I say slog. And you have to enjoy that ride. You know, we talk at high spot all the time, like brick by brick, we are building the next, you know, we're, we're a $2.3 billion company now, but so call it the next 10 or 40 or $50 billion company. And we are very in, intentional about that. And yes, all of us work really, really hard. And all of you that are listening to this, I'm sure are working very hard building your own CI programs at your companies. Um, so, it, in, enjoy the ride, enjoy the grind. Um, and the, the other piece of advice that I'll give is that realize that it's going to take probably at least one and a half of your deal cycles, whatever those are, wh whatever your average deal cycle is. You know, if you're in B2B software, that's probably somewhere between six or three to 12 months, six to 12 months um, to see the fruits of your labor and to have patience and, and know that what you're working on today will pay off, but it's not gonna pay off for another six or so months. That's the psychological element there uh, is super interesting because I think, like you mentioned, you're gonna be in the initial stages bogged down, not bogged down, that's a bad word, but you're gonna be, there's a lot of execution and it's that simultaneous execution but also have that part of your brain that can separate and see where you're going and what the overarching strategy of the program and what you should be doing to get the program to that next point that you want it to be. I'm, I'm curious as well, like in terms of your experience, is there something, is there relationships that you've had to build to kind of elevate the strategic importance of your competitive program? Oh, Absolutely. And, you know, this may be natural for a lot of product marketers, especially, but, you know, I've been in product marketing for a, a hot minute now, <laughs> and any product marketer listening to this call knows that relationships are, are key to success, you know, for, for your success, but also you being able to do your job effectively. So I think everybody understands in, in CI that one of your core internal audiences is certainly your sales team. So building relationships with all of your sales leaders 
is really important. I think building relationships with reps down at the ground level is also important because frankly, they are the best sources, one of the best sources of competitive intel that you will ever have. And it's important that you install some sort of mechanism there, whether that's a regular meeting or a, you know lunch and learn where all of you can come together or some sort of tooling that can collect intel from the field to make sure that you are, are cultivating that and putting it to use. I think other areas that sometimes get overlooked in terms of critical relationships for CI professionals, we, we talked about the executive team. I think the seat at that table is usually earned and it is earned as you work to mature your CI program. So if as you are in those early stages, creating or updating battle cards and doing a lot of that ad hoc work, it's difficult to earn time with that audience until you get to the point where you have insights and points of view on things like win rates and leading indicators and other developments in the, the market. So if you don't have that seat now, that's okay, you know, but realize that, you know, continue your work and that hike up the maturity model hill. Um, and, and once you get to the point where you have good insights that you can put in front of that group, it's important to do so. Other areas, uh, product I mentioned. My product team is one of the most hungry uh, consumers of all of my win-loss insights, which is great. And that I hope everybody's product team is is uh, has that much of an appetite for win-loss insights because you know, especially in an environment like ours where our our products um, are make such a difference. Like we have a great product at High Spot. Our competitors have good products also and it's important and and our desire to stay ahead of those competitors products obviously and it's important for that group to be consuming you know intelligence and you to be relaying that intelligence to that group so that you can do just that uh, because it's not going to happen naturally um post sale is another area that i think gets overlooked and is also can be a gold mine of competitive intel so my post sale services and account management team are probably second in line when it comes to inbound competitive intel only behind my sales reps who are actively selling new business. Um, because as customers switch over from solutions, we, we have a lot of customers at Highspot who switch from competitive solutions. Uh, there's a lot of intel to be had there and some great nuggets that we found and put to work in pre-sales from all of that post-sale intelligence. So I would encourage folks to you know, focus on your sales team. They're obviously your, your largest internal customer, uh, but don't ignore the others. I'm sure a lot of that post-sales intel that you're getting inbound is super critical as well for the product team to understand. It is. It's not, just a, it's not just a prospect evaluating what they think your value is or what you can offer them. It's actually them now being able to experience what the product feels like, what they can do with it. And also if they've come from a, competitor you have a point of comparison now which is critical for a product team in a competitive market yeah i think it's also important to to be documenting what that transition process looks like for customers and i think a lot of companies also and, and ci folks don't realize that yes it's important to compete for new business but that's not the only competitive frontier to to be one right you can also steal customers from your competitors and I think a lot of CI professionals overlook that. And that's, that's something that we've gotten really good at at Highspot. And 
do really well is, is finding those dissatisfied customers and rolling out the red carpet. And, you know, over time, we've done a, such a good job of documenting that transition and on, on the technical side, but also from the customer experience side that we've made it so easy that, you know, that's another area where competitive Intel can be put to work is in that post-sale environment. And did you get to that portion of uh, your competitive program? Was that almost like the second stage, I guess, after satisfying these kind of ad hoc requests, when you kind of get to that point where you can actually start to lead strategic initiatives like that? Like, this is how we're going to steal customers from our competitors. Yeah, I, I think if you're in those earlier stages, it's difficult to find the, the headspace, you know, in even just the time. Uh, but I do think it, it happens naturally. So as your CI program matures and you start getting into those later stages of the maturity model, and also as you build relationships with more folks across the company and in post sales, you start, you know, having those dialogues and getting those nuggets of intel and you can then identify opportunities. You know, and that might not be true for, for certain businesses or industries. I, I think for any B2B software, it's difficult to convince somebody to rip and replace their solution. But if they're having that bad of a time with it, it's, it's certainly easier. And as you continue developing your product, regardless of what market or, or industry you're operating in, uh, that additional innovation certainly helps you win new business, but it can also definitely help you steal some business from your competitors. I want to jump to some, I guess it's a little bit more executional. How do you provide competitive intel to those reps or those account managers that are experienced? And then how do you also, you've got all of these new faces coming in and you're growing at such a rate that you can't always be one-on-one with them. How do you get new people on board to buy into this competitive program or buy into using and sharing competitive intel I think it's a huge obstacle for a lot of people that are part of high growth companies is yeah, you can get your foot in the door, you get your early champions, but then there's new people every day coming in. Like how do you keep uh, present? Yeah, totally. Uh, I'll give you a multifaceted answer here, you know, and I guess this, this brings us back to kind of story time and just the growth that we've had at high spot. Right. I joined two years ago, employee 217. We're somewhere North of 600 by now. And, you know, we've grown into a a $2.3 billion company. Our competitive environment certainly heated up. Um, Sales enablement became a category. So, yeah, for, you know, anybody operating in areas of of, of markets with this kind of explosive growth, I think that adds another uh, dimension (laughs) to how you think about your, you know, the evolution of your CI program and, and all of the work that you need to be doing. And I think a big portion of it boils down to a cultural component or consideration. And I think everybody hopes that's listening to this call that your sales reps will have an appetite uh, for for the CI everything, for for Intel, for the battle cards that you're working really hard to make. Um, And, you know, I, I think in most cases, that is the case, right? Sales reps are competitive people. You know, they want to win. They want to make money. So, you know, I hope that that's the case and nobody finds themselves in in a business where nobody is interested at all in the the battle cards that you've worked so hard to make. Um, I think we're fortunate in that it's certainly also been a product of, of our space that we've been operating in, you know, and we, um, 
high spot wasn't late to the game by any means, you know, and sales enablement was kind of the squishy thing for a long, long time. And we had, you know, one or two kind of grandfathers in the space who were kind of doing it for a long time, not really knowing that they were doing sales enablement. Um, and we joined a couple of years, you know, afterwards, but that was enough to give these folks first mover advantage. And at the time they were bigger than we were. Um, they had more logos, they were doing more business and yeah, they, they were kind of our, our Goliath, you know, and we were David over here with our, our little rock, you know, trying to throw it at their windows and, and break the glass. Um, and you know, relating this back to high growth, now we have so many employees, we have so many reps. Uh, and, and to your point about making sure that how do we protect that culture and, and make sure that it, the, the appetite and the hunger doesn't go away, but also how do we get everybody on board, at least with a baseline knowledge of compete. And for those folks who need those, those deeper levels of, of knowledge in order to be able to do their job, which certainly varies across teams, how do we make sure that we're accounting for and, and catering to those needs? And I think it's definitely important to be thoughtful here. And my first piece of advice is to make CI fun and relatable. So product marketers are great storytellers. I raced cars for 10 years and I also love the movie Talladega Nights. And as such, you know, as I was sitting here thinking, God, how am I going to get, you know, everybody, especially, you know, in our new higher classes, people who aren't sales reps, like interested in compete, I decided to snap our story to the ballad of Ricky Bobby. And <laughs> so my, in my new higher onboarding classes, I tell this story of, you know, Hey, we're on this, we're all in this race. Uh, the racetrack is crowded. It's a really tough race. And yeah, our number one competitor is Jean Girard, you know, and he's arguably a good driver, but nobody really likes him. And, you know, his car is expensive, but it breaks all the time and it's expensive to fix. And I start drawing all of these analogies and corollaries, you know, to our, our competitors and their products and, you know, how we compete against them. Um, and that story has just served us so, so well. And even beyond our new higher onboarding classes, it's, it's the thread that I weave every competitive development and new asset and everything else through. And by doing something as simple as like relating my CI program back to the story, you know, in to, to Ricky Bobby's story, you know, Ricky Bobby's trying to win the race and, you know, do well. Um, something as simple as that, I cannot tell you the dividends that it has paid. And it's also helped foster this, this culture um, where our entire company, we have a, a, a compete Slack channel and it is the most subscribed to and the most active Slack channel in the entire company, aside from like the all employee, you know, all general one that all of us have. So I think making something, you know, turning something that can be very, very dry, you know, and very complex and into something fun and relatable is definitely my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice is to think about and, and package your CI for staggered consumption. So I think a lot of this happens naturally, right? You've probably authored your own 40 page in-depth competitor profile for your own use or technical teardowns for your product team. But you also have authored these lighter weight battle cards and other narratives that you use at the top of the funnel. And there's no way that your reps or will, or frankly need to, to learn everything at once. But if you give a mouse a cookie, he's gonna want a glass of milk. So, you know, I think 
this ties in closely with my first piece of advice, you know, make something fun and relatable, like introduce a concept, and then you can go deeper in later stages. You know, for us, um, as I'm sure with many new hire programs, we keep our sales reps in it for, you know, almost the entire thing, or at least two thirds of it. And then like our services and, you know, technical folks go through the, the long tail of product training and everything. So making sure that you have assets that are, are chunked out and timely for each of those different stages um, or audiences and their associated required levels of depth is important. And then the third piece of advice that I'll say is, is keep beating the drum. You know, repetition for the assets that you already have and you've already introduced and tried to teach people and it's important because people forget and that's okay. I forget things all the time. Um, but making sure that you're you're repeating it seven times or whatever everybody says, you know, is the magic number to get people to to really understand it is important. But also making sure that you're communicating new developments as they happen quickly so that everybody collectively can learn from them um, is, is something that I, I found uh, to be really useful for us. That's the storytelling element. You've, you had me at that. Like I'm already hooked. Now I want to know, I want to know what your, your competitive program looks like. I want to, I want to be involved. <laughs> there's a, there's lots of checkered flags and, and car emojis everywhere. Although with my last name, McQueen, I was hoping the racing analogy would be cars related. Steve, but, yeah. <laughs> but Talladega Nights is a good movie. Have you, have you indulged in what is what is Sasha Baron Cohen's character's name again? Jean Richard? Jean Girard. Jean Girard. Can you can you do a Jean Girard impersonation for the for the team? I want you to say crepe. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Don't worry, don't worry, Adam. I won't break your arm. <laughs> yeah. And you know, full disclosure, I'm not editing this out, Justin. This stays. <laughs> this stays. <laughs> um, Whatever gets that- us a good story. And that um, that that part of information overload, especially when you have pe- reps, account managers, people joining this company at different stages of knowledge. Some might not even be familiar with the tech industry. Some might be ten-year reps. I really like that idea of breaking things down and kind of leading them along this journey to improving their understanding because. One of, the, one of the first things I, I learned on a call, I can't remember, it was one of the first calls I had when I joined Clue. I think it was, it was uh, Rob Begg, and he was just like, these big kickoff uh, competitive sessions you get at a big sales kickoff, if you just flood every, every bit of information you know on a competitor and what the market landscape is, it's going in one ear and it's going out the other. The thing I try and remind myself of, I watched a TED talk a while back and I can't remember for the life of me who it was, but it was this pianist and he was one of the, the greatest pianists in the whole world, which was, you know, why he was invited to do the TED talk or whatever. Um, and his whole thing, his, his core message in his TED talk was he asks himself if he finds himself playing at a concert you know, and he sees his audience's eyes start to like glaze over people to get bored or like overwhelmed. You know, he asks himself, what am I doing that my audience's eyes are not shining? And I think that's an important mindset for for anybody to have if they want to be successful in whatever role, you know, in their career, but especially with something like CI, where it is just, I mean, you open up like all of my competitive intel 
um, and and there, yeah, you could have bedtime stories for the rest of your life, you know, or or read pages and pages for the rest of your life. Um, but you know, being thoughtful and and with with your storytelling and who you're what you're giving to whom and when and and making sure that you're chunking it up as as soon as you see your audience's eyes start to glaze over pause and ask yourself what am i doing that my audience's eyes are not shining right do i need to cut scope do i need to schedule an additional session do we need to revisit this later like there there's definitely some some thinking that really great CI folks do on their feet um, and also be mindful of when they're architecting these, these programs, especially for new hires. The being in tune with your end users and yes. thinking about, because at the end of the day, they are, the, if they're not involved in this process, if they're not engaged, then what are your efforts worth? And that's, I think that kind of ties back to that maturity aspect is getting their buy-in is such an integral piece for you to be able to scale your program and move to these kind of larger strategic initiatives um yeah i think that's that's some there's some this is story time with justin in the end i <laughs> i love this i love this i've got one more question that is incredibly important the most important question of the podcast it is now spring in vancouver i know you're up in seattle too we're in the northwest what is the what is the wine of choice for spring season as the sun is just arriving oh we drink a lot of viognier at my house um, so I, I like to describe it as kind of a, an in-between of, of Chardonnay and Sauve Blanc. It's a really nice, easy drinking, uh, white, uh, similar to kind of an Albarino, I would say, uh, depending on who makes it, you can have notes ranging from straw to green apple to white grape. It's, it's really refreshing, especially for the spring months. There it is. The answer that everyone tuned in for. <laughs> Justin, I appreciate you taking the time. This was awesome. Again, I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners are going to learn a lot and I'm sure we're going to have you back on again soon. Yeah, I look forward to it, Adam. Thanks so much. All right, thanks everyone. We'll see you next week.